This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to another episode of Coruscant Radio Underground. I'm Andrew. I'm here tonight with, or it's not night. It's it's very bright outside. It's true. Uh, I'm here with Marisha. Yes, his beautiful, amazing, spectacular wife. It's true. Yes. It's all you, true. It's all true. It's all of it. Sometimes he forgets all, all of the correct uh, adjectives, so I have to help him out. I'm not good with adjectives. I'm helpful like that. <laughs> So, we have been gone for a really, really long time. We haven't posted anything since our Dominic Pace interview. Wow. Um, it's been a while. We've, we've done a lot of science fictionary episodes. We've done some. We, we've kind of got slack on that one, too. It just has been a little bit bonkers. I've been working. Here. I've been working a little more. Yeah, Marisha's uh, been working on some movies, which is Yay. really, really cool. It's exciting. And uh, when those get a little closer to, talk, to coming out, we'll talk about them a little bit. Yes, um, yes. Once we, you know, kind of have a better idea of what they're actually about. Yeah, and once I'm no longer under all of the non-disclosure Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll make sure to talk turns about out, some of the projects that Marisha's working on. Yeah, it turns out you don't have to, you know, like keep your mouth shut only when you're working on Marvel movies. Turns out no, they everything. don't want you talking about anything. Yeah, no. Like you're making the, you know, the little low button. They, nope, no social media. You know, keep it to yourself. So we will uh, talk about some of those when they get a little closer to release. Uh, and we need to do an episode of the Science Fictionary and talk about uh, the last one, the last big one you worked on, which was uh, Breaking News in Yuba County. Yes. Uh, which yes. you still haven't watched. Haven't. I haven't so, had time. No. Well, it's been <laughs> out for over a year now. Okay. Well, I guess I've probably <laughs> found time in the past year. Anyway, uh, yeah, so it's been, it's been eventful around here between trying to raise three kids and both of us trying to work. It's uh, life is crazy. It is, but I the the goal is to get this back to a weekly launch. Yes, uh, it may just be that Marisha's not here with me every week. Alas, uh, you have may to have find... more more guest hosts and and things like that. That has been a big part of it was me trying to make sure that Marisha and I were both here and finally coming to the realization that it's probably just not going to work for her to always be on. All of this one and all of the science fictionary episodes. It's and true. So this is the one that's going to get hit a little bit in that department, but it'll be good. Uh, we'll we'll bring in more guest hosts. Maybe we can, you know, coax Roe into coming over here from the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. And yeah, and uh, Nick Nick's always game to come talk. Yeah, Nick's always game to talk. Nick's Nick. Uh, I've talked to Nick about Star Wars. I, I'm not sure uh. if. Uh, Nick, how down Nick would be for doing just a Star Wars episode. That's true. We've mostly talked other things with Nick. The plan is to be back every week, at least every other week on this show. Uh, no more, you know, four-month-long breaks. Uh, we got some big stuff coming up. Uh, we by do. The time you're well, hearing, that's been the other thing. Well, by the time you're hearing this, you should be seeing some... Or, well, I don't know. This is going to come out pretty quick. But, pay you know... Keep an eye out because there are some promos coming for the Parsec Fan Awards, which is a new award show that we are uh, launching and 
working on in conjunction with all of our friends over at the network. Absolutely. Um, the votes are all in, um, but it's going to be fun. We're going to have a really, really great uh, show for you guys on that. Yeah. Um, so we got to um, get all the, I, I think Rose decided it needs some more bells and whistles. So he's just <laughs> got to get all the bells and whistles attached before we can, uh, yeah, so, so we've got that going on. Uh, we've got a a sort of secret project that Robbie's coming back for um, that I will just say is a, is a web series that's somewhere between a cross of Parks and Rec, uh, the, the Sasquatch Hunter show, and the Blair Witch Project. I mean, who wouldn't want to see that? So, um, it's, it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We just have to get together to film it, but we're actually talking about COVID really killed a lot of our plans. COVID just, yeah. It's it really, like last year never happened, sort of. It, it kind of is. Uh, the best thing that happened last year was we started the Science Fictionary podcast, um, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah, which we actually kept that up pretty well going through COVID. We did. Everything just kind of. Summer's difficult, you know, especially if you got kids. Mm-hmm. If you've got kids, you know what can happen in summertime. It's just hard to keep a schedule. Yeah. All of a sudden, you find yourself taking two weeks to go to camp and yeah. a couple of weeks to go on, you know, and the next thing you know, summer's over. And, of course, we're saying that, but it's October. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, although we homeschool, our, our summer... Uh, a lot of our summer stuff actually happens a little later than some people's summer stuff it's does. True. Which is why we made it through most of the actual summer. And right. <laughs> then we faded out. Exactly. Because we, we take our summer later so that places aren't as crowded. And cooler. Because um, let me let y'all know, Mississippi is not nice in July. Why no. anyone goes to Disney World in July is beyond me. Well, that's not in Mississippi. But yeah, but it's in the deep south. It's it's a hundred degrees. It's a place that's worse than Mississippi. <laughs> the it's, only place in the yeah in the entire country that's hotter than Mississippi. Um, so uh, we're less than a year from Star Wars Celebration. Yeah, and we still have tickets. We keep talking about selling them, but we haven't done it yet. Yeah, we're gonna have to see, but it's starting to look like there's a good chance that. At least one of us might show up at Star Wars Celebration. Yeah. Uh, which would be, be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Um, but it's it's amazing how fast time's passing. But kind of, we're going to kind of take a step back here and talk about some things that um, we really should have talked about a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. But we weren't, we weren't around and... I still think it's important to talk about. It's it's going to be a little more possibly controversial than our typical episode. Um, so just know that, you know, the way we feel about it, especially if you're the first, first time you're listening to us, we don't do controversy for controversy's sake. Ever. And no. we don't talk about these things to target any particular group. I just think they're important to talk about. And that's the only time we do the the kind of the drama end of the fandom is when I do think that there are important topics. So Trisha Barr, who has been around Star Wars a long time. I mean, you're talking about somebody who's written in the Star Wars Insider, someone who's helped write uh, Star Wars visual encyclopedias. Mm-hmm. Um, 
not new to Star Wars, no stranger to Star Wars, but she she had a comment here that sort of echoes, and, and, and to give a little background here, I've had some really, really big problems with the story group mm-hmm. over the last few years. Yeah. Um, between a couple of run-ins on Twitter, where they were just unfriendly for no particular reason, and... Um, and just some of the things they've said, and and they're certainly you know entitled to their opinions on things. But my big problem with them is that they continue to try to minimize the importance of canon. Right. And when looking at a story, now I understand for some people, some people don't care. They just want stories, and they don't care if they match up. That's the only reason DC is able to continue selling movie tickets because some people don't care if everything interconnects. Right, exactly. Um, some people just don't care. They just want to be pleased in the moment. Right, exactly. Um, having grown up a fan of old science fiction and old fantasy, uh, from Frank Herbert to J.R.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, <laughs> and George Lucas. Right. I'm a big fan of a continuous story and the interconnectivity in story. Um, I think it's important. I think there is certainly room for both. I, I love anthology series where you just get loosely connected or not connected at all series of stories. Those are those are fun. They're, those certainly have their place. But in these big fictional worlds, mm-hmm. if you start ripping apart the things that hold them together, yeah. What's the point? Yeah, and there, there's something, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a kind of, some kind of innate desire for cohesion in the universe, for some kind of religious continuity that people like things to fit together. Like the amount of time that people spend, you know, figuring out how all Pixar movies really operate in the right. same universe. But it's, it's this whole idea. If you if you want to know, especially for a completist, mm-hmm. if you want to know everything about this universe, I'm this way with Star Wars, I'm this way with Middle Earth. Um, those are probably the two big ones I'm this way with. Mm-hmm. Where I want to know everything about the world, but if all of a sudden there's no cohesion... You know, if, there, if there's nothing holding those worlds together, if you've got, like, a general, like, core, but then there's all these offshoots, and then suddenly you can't track what is, you know, in-universe, what is real and what is not. Right. And admittedly, and I've already, you know, said, in some stories, that's not important. But in these big worlds that where, where you where you have people who atten- intentionally set out to create these massive worlds, yeah, then why begin to like that would be to me the most offensive thing would begin because the moment that you start just saying Canon does you say Canon doesn't matter and we're just gonna make stories. That's George Lucas's legacy. Yeah. Like down the toilet. Well, because he was very concerned about how the stories fit together. Right. So even though he sold it, and I compared this, um, actually, I never released this. I'll talk about it a little bit. Um, You know, because this is kind of going on, or potentially, we don't know. We don't know what's happening with Lord of the Rings, uh, the new Amazon series. It's a little terrifying because we don't know where they're headed with the legacy of Tolkien. 
right. of, of both J.R.R. Tolkien and Christopher Tolkien. Mm-hmm. And the, the difference is, admittedly, I, I will be the first to admit this, the Tolkien never sold his property and said, here, somebody finish writing this for me. Right. Lucas did. And so, admittedly, it's not the exact same thing. That's true. You know, however, it's, however, um, and and we'll talk here a little. I don't want to talk visions because Daniel wants to talk visions, and uh, I don't think you care that much about it. I didn't care that much about it, but Daniel wants to talk about it. Okay. So I want to make sure he's here to talk visions. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will say, you know, visions came out. Some of it's fine. Some of it's real weird. Some of it's it really all real weird. Some of it really crosses the line over. You know, it's it's how far can you push in its book in its with it and it still remains Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them cross the line to where it's not Star Wars. It's just got some Star Wars this Star Wars ish elements mm-hmm. sprinkled through it. But it's really not Star Wars. It. And, and that's my problem with it. It ignores everything about the lore. I was really looking forward to something that were non-canon stories, but still held the same, still could have potentially been in the same universe. And those stories could not exist in the Star Wars universe. I'm not aware of, I'm not sure that any of them could have existed within this. Maybe the first episode... The first episode was the kind of the the Ronin warrior. We mm-hmm. don't know if he's a Sith or what, but he's yeah. collecting Sith um, Kyber crystals. I feel like the last one where you have the character who they've got the kind, you know, the he's he's the Jedi who's come back to save. You know, come back to fix the problem he left behind when he was young and was warned yeah. not to go back and went back anyway and wound up. There are two or three of them that work better than others. Yeah. Um, they still don't necessarily work 100%, but could be easily tweaked to work Yeah, within, within the Star Wars universe. And some of them are almost not identifiable as the same universe. Yeah, for sure. Um, but they're fine. They're not canon. They're anthology series. They're not going to be for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the reviews on them are pretty mixed. But they're, they're fine. There's no they're no harm, no foul. But that's a, at the point where we start making... If we ever turn to a point where we're like, okay, well, new live-action series is not canon. I just... I don't know. I'm this way with books. People and this is my problem with the the story group is this you know, you say hey is this canon and they get offended, right? And it's it's like why are you getting offended? This is literally your job, right? Now it's not necessarily your job to answer my question, but to keep track of what's canon and what isn't. But you are the supposedly the authority mm-hmm. on what is canon and what is not. So of course people ask you. Right. Don't act like an ass when people ask you a question. They're asking you that because they think that you're the person to ask, that you're the authority right. on the matter. And, and of course, they're going to ask you. Um, but I've always had some like really deep concerns about what exactly about canon, because they're not getting offended about canon questions. 
there's something deeper, something mm, potentially more sinister, something underlying the whole thing, why they get mad about it. Well, Trisha Barr, who I already mentioned, you know, has been working around Star Wars a long time. Um, I think she let it slip. I think she full on gave the entire reason why a certain group of people hate canon. Uh, on Twitter, she said, I will say it again, because it's canon is the single biggest obstacle to writing the course on representation and inclusion. Now, this was, of course, in, in direct reference to the, the whole Slave One thing with were they changing the name of Slave One or not, and I still don't know what Lucasfilm's official stance on that is. Um, and she went on to say, Slave anything as a marketing ploy in Star Wars is inappropriate. I heard a while ago that was the franchise's position now as it should be. Um you know, the whole thing is, is like... Boba Fett's not a good guy. No, he's not. And we also look at Slave, in this country in particular, because it's more recent in our history than in a lot of the Western world. Uh, we look at Slave through a really, really narrow lens mm -hmm. of what slavery is. Um the, the type of slavery that we had in this country was the most despicable kind of slavery. Right. Um, so, yes, it's it's terrible thing, but, like, globally, like, the, these... Because, honestly, these same people harp on that slavery that occurred well over 100 years ago, but they ignore the fact that there's all sorts of terrible slavery in the world right now. Yeah. And you don't hear them talk about that. Well, um, no, because that... But, but slave is also, you have to look in a historical context. It's like, we don't just, like, pretend things don't exist. And, you know, good Be or bad. Because they're problematic. Because they're problematic. That's stupid. Well, I always felt like the fact that his ship was named Slave One was sort of a symbol of he is not, he's not a good guy. He is at best morally gray. Right. You know, I mean, the thing is, the first time we see him, he is hunting someone for Darth Vader. Like, he's not your, what my grampy would call a, an A-plus number one citizen. He hunts and potentially kills people for money. Yes. Uh, and, and not just, and not for the good guys, for anybody that will pay. Right. And I think that there's a danger in trying to... romanticize characters like that to the extent where we forget that just because they're interesting characters, they can still be morally bankrupt human beings. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that, that whole debacle was, it's kind of a big blow up over nothing. I think I'm not even sure that there was like some official change, although now mm -hmm. I'm hearing they're going to call it, the fire spray, which it was always a fire spray class ship. Of course, that's that's it's not quite as stupid as the name of the ship in the new um, oh what the new High Republic books. 
I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it's just a starship known as Starship or something really stupid like that. <laughs> the artist formerly known as Prince. Starship. <laughs> and, the great ship, Starship. Uh, there's a lot of really stupid stuff in the High Republic, but I don't know that we're going to get into that today. Um, but I, what I really want to talk about is this first part of her comment. And I'm not really, like I said, I'm not overly concerned with what she's saying about Slave One. Because that was that was a really weird blow up on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, and that's so, you know, six weeks ago. Yeah. But this other part is what I want to talk about. Because this potentially has long-term ramifications for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll, I'll read it again. It says, it's, I will say it again because its canon is the single biggest obstacle to writing the course on representation and inclusion. Can you explain that? So basically... We can't rewrite the originals in our own image. Right. Because they're canon. Because we can't step on canon to rewrite characters to to change who these characters are. We We want to change these characters. We want to... You know, and that's that's basically saying... Like I said, it's we want to take it, we want to rewrite it in our, in our own image. That's what a lot of people we talked about, like in the um, in on uh, the Tolkien Society. You know, the Tolkien Society had been advocating for a lot of crazy stuff. Now, not necessarily they weren't necessarily out there saying this is what this is what we want Middle Earth to look like. But some of the people who were speaking at the conference were definitely saying we're definitely saying this is what we want Middle Earth to look like, and it's a we don't like it. It's not. We don't like things about it. We don't see ourselves reflected in the story, so we want to rewrite it in our own image, which you don't have the right to do. Well, and furthermore, Middle Earth and Star Wars are both very, very big, big worlds. There are there are room. F- and the thing is, you can tell equally compelling stories to the originals there's no reason that we can't create new stories you can create new stories 10,000 years earlier mm-hmm. in either of these worlds that are much more reflective of the world that we live in right yeah. so there's a little more i think people are a little more aware than they were 40 or 70 or 100 years ago right that it's like, the world doesn't all look just like you know like like the writer necessarily right. it's, it's like you know people are currently you know kind of dogging isaac asimov for not having more women in his writing it's like he's very much a product of his day right like, and like you can acknowledge okay yes would it have been you know, would he have been a better person, a better writer? Maybe. But actually, people who say that, I feel like haven't read very much Asimov. Because um, we have several really important point of view characters that are female. Now, they're not like very deep and interesting, well-developed yeah, but characters, characters, but are. none of his characters That's are. That's not his story. That's exactly. not his writing style. He's not a He's not writing characters. Tolkien wrote characters. Um, but Co- one of, Tolkien wrote everything. Tolkien, Tolkien is one of the most well-rounded yeah. writers. Now, of course, that leads people to say Tolkien is dry, Tolkien is boring, because Tolkien spends so much time describing things right. and fleshing things out. Yeah. But Asimov, like, the first, the first two books 
are most most of your point of view char- I mean yeah, I hesitate Honestly, to say point of view characters because it takes at least a couple of chapters into each section to figure out who the point of view character is yeah. but most of them are male but the the third book is almost exclusively about a series of women I know and I think the only problem I think the real problem that people have is most people have never actually like consumed any of Asimov's writings yeah. They're mostly basing it on the fact that they've changed a character. Two characters now. Changed a couple of characters in this new series. Which, now I have to say, I know this series is not about Foundation, but I do find it interesting. I understand why they changed Geldornik, um, but now they've changed Salvor Harden is also a female character. And so is the point now to make all of the characters female. Um, I mean, that's a different, that's a different take on it. But again, your world starts to not feel as well-rounded if all of your main characters are female. Yeah. You don't, and and I've said this and I say this about a lot of things. You don't fix the problem by just, by just switching the roles. I mean, sometimes it doesn't matter. Gail Dornick didn't matter. Um, Salver Harden, I feel like was a little more, probably would read a little better as a male character. Now I don't know how, which direction exactly they're going to go in this story. Yeah. Um, but they have a couple of really interesting female characters later in the story. Um, and I would be really disappointed if they changed those characters to male characters. So I'm hoping that um, they, I'm hoping that they, they balance the story well. Um, Cause sometimes I think stories can become more about, making a point and, and i think that that's kind of this this quote that this woman's giving about star wars it's like well we can't use star wars to make a point okay we can't to me this says because of canon we can't make we can't make luke skywalker gay or female or female or, or anything else right but um, the thing is there's so much room in this unit i mean this is an enormous universe tell a different story not to mention this kind of stuff coming from lucasfilm people is Sort of insulting when you consider how much Star Wars they threw away. Right. Uh, because because they needed a cohesive canon. But now you've got people involved with, charged with keeping canon straight, saying, oh, it doesn't matter. Canon well, doesn't see, matter. That's... Canon doesn't just not matter. It's the problem. And that's that right there is 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 the hip. I think the main thing that gets people is just the sheer hypocrisy of nope, got to throw out all the extended universe, right, or whatever they called it, the expanded, expanded universe. universe, right. Now it's legends, and it doesn't count anymore because we have to have a cohesive canon. They were all about the cohesive canon and how important it was until they decided it was kind of annoying, and it's like well then why couldn't we just hang on to some of the other things? Like, why does it matter? If, yeah. if canon doesn't matter, then we, you know, I mean, we got a clone emperor anyway. So, you know, it's not like we've only, like we've thrown out all of the worst ideas in the expanded universe. No, I mean, they, they have, they have actually borrowed from the expanded universe quite a bit. They may not openly say that, but, um, there are certainly reflections of Jason and Jaina and Kylo and Ray, and mm-hmm. uh, you know the the whole bringing the Emperor back, and uh, of course Filoni is you know 
kind of the the savior of that stuff. You know, he any chance Filoni has to bring something back, he does. Yeah. Um, and I and I very much appreciate that. I know there's some people who are not big on Filoni, uh, for whatever reason, you know. But um, I think that he understands the lore as it stands today better than anybody. Yeah. I would say at this point he understands the lore as it stands today better than than Lucas. Probably, yeah. Because Lucas hasn't kept up with all the new stuff, probably very, you know, religiously. But this to me is a, a huge concern when you've got people actually just saying, you know, th- this as a, because this is, again, saying the problem with canon is we can't write, we can't rewrite what you already know. But... I mean, isn't the the point, though, whenever we decided to have, whenever we decided to tell a story seven, eight, and nine, now we have a new central character, and she is compelling, and she's interesting, and she's, you know, she's all of these things. Mm-hmm. So now is, we have a new story. Like, we don't have to negate the old stories to tell compelling new stories. Right. Now, and, and we'll get into this a little later, there are some things I think they could have done better in the sequels, well, yeah, however, they wasted a lot of potential. But they still, there were just some really compelling, really great things about the sequels, and they managed to bring in different characters. Um, now, I'm hoping that eventually they'll decide to to do more with Finn. I feel like they could have done a lot more interesting things with Finn. I feel like there I, are characters. I still think they can, but I almost like they they almost ruined the character. Yeah. Like, now you can bring him back, but now you have to, like, you almost can't do it without a sort of retconning some things to come back and set things straight. Oh, but that's what Star Wars is, excels at, is sort of retconning, but not really. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not a fan of this. I'm not a fan of this statement, because I think this is potentially devastating to the greater Star Wars universe. Which is why I really hoped when they announced the High Republic that they were going to go thousands of years earlier Instead of only what, three hundred years? Yeah, I really, I really thought they were going to go thousands of years earlier, and the whole story was going to be its own thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, the High Republic was a was a great opportunity to go back. Now I'm still concerned. I still have concerns. I my concerns actually grew after reading what I have read of the High Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, I was super excited about the High Republic. I was excited to take these authors to a place where they could write without having to worry about somebody saying, no, wait, because we've got to do this TV show first or this movie right. first. Um, right. And then you're hemmed in by that because that's the problem. Honestly, a lot of the books, the Star Wars books, they feel wasted. Well, the, the current ones and the old ones, like some of them kind of, they, they had to fit in around existing stories or the stories we might want to tell later, right? Yeah, they but- had to all fit between the or after the original series, right? You couldn't tell any prequel stories because we might step on Anakin Skywalker's story. Right. But of course, I mean, that was always a little bit of a problem before, but not really because you basically said, okay, in a post-Return of the Jedi world, you can basically write whatever you want. Right. And you can also go... For, you know, for thousands of years into the future if you want to. And you can write stories thousands of years in the past, which is how we got... 
you know, Knights of the Old Republic and things like that. Right. You tell stories that happened so long ago that the entire galaxy, you know, has changed. All, all of the politics are different. Everything's different. So you can tell a completely different story, and it doesn't step on the toes of anything that exists. I mean, like, we're going to go tell a story in ancient Babylon. It's not going to have a whole lot of bearings on a story that, you know, we're telling about the American Revolution. Right. Like, you can tell two di very different stories, and they're not going to step on each other's toes. I'm still very concerned, because the High Republic, we were going to go back to the, the Golden Age of the Jedi. Well, I don't think we went back that far. No. I, I'm I'm really afraid you you took this galaxy that's very old, yeah, with a very old history, and I'm still concerned that the High Republic is an attempt to sort of shrink, yep, the history. You know, in that first book, you know, they talk you know talking about hyperspace lanes and how people are just kind of starting to understand, you know, hyperspace lanes and hyperspace travel and all this, and it's like it's only three hundred years before. Right. When, you know, we've been, we've told stories 10,000 years in the past. Like, what is this about? I mean, unless you want to go that there was some kind a of dark, dark age. age. I mean, and those are always interesting stories. Yeah, but see, this is still the Republic itself. That's true. And the Jedi are the keeper of knowledge and wisdom and peace. In the Republic. And so the Jedi for wouldn't have lost for a thousand generations. Mm -hmm. Some people misinterpret that and say a thousand years. A thousand years and a thousand generations are not, not the same thing. A thousand generations, you're talking at least 3,000 years. You're talking way longer than that. 30,000 years, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> my, my brain took, like momentarily so, glitched. There. So I don't love this idea of shrinking the timeline. Yeah. Which is, I'm a little, I'm still a little concerned that that's what's happening. Well, it's like whenever you you continue to tell stories, but we got to pull but, in Luke Skywalker. We right, got to pull. It's but like, I don't think that's it at all. I think they think their readers are stupid, and they can't comprehend the idea of a universe of a galaxy thirty thousand years old. Yeah, yeah. I really think that's what it is. I think that's a large part of it. Is they think they're writing these stories for idiots. Hmm. Um. Well. You know, because what would indicate that science fiction and fantasy readers are among some of the more well-read people on the planet? Everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I, this, you know, like I said, you know, you can think whatever you want about this. If you're not that tied to canon, that's fine. But I do think that this, as far as the future of Star Wars storytelling. I it find doesn't bode well. Statements like that to be very concerning mm -hmm. because this is not about, you know, it says that this is a hindrance to diversity. It's not. This has nothing to do with diversity in Star Wars. No. You can tell new stories. You can create new characters. You can even create new characters that occur during the same time period and tell brand new stories. It's a huge galaxy. So that's not what it's about. It's mm -hmm. about, it. this is 100% about them wanting license to rewrite everything we already know about the galaxy. Right. Which is just pointless because there's, like I said, it's it's such a big universe. Yeah. So, you know, if you want diversity and we're all for it, you know, we're, we're, we're both here. We're completely 100% all for diversity in storytelling. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good for... 
it's good for the individuals reading it. It's good for growing the fandom. Yeah, it's, it's good for the brand. It's good for the brand. It's good for, you know, children coming up to see a universe that at least reflects the very little small planet we live on. Yeah. Like, all of this is good. That's one of the most exciting things happening, I think, right now in sci-fi is people becoming more conscious of creating worlds that aren't just peopled by, you know, brown-haired women and blonde men. Yeah. But it, it's one of those things, like, it, it's some in some sense, and of course, you don't judge. We talked about Huck Finn on the other show a while back, and you... It's not fair to judge something written in another time by today's standards. It's just yeah. not. No, that's not how the world works. And and to some extent, you've got people that so so you go back to like old science fiction. You got mm -hmm. two things. You either got people who wrote about people that look just like them. Mhm. Mm or they wrote poorly about people who didn't because they right. didn't understand. So they the, you know, so you know, pick your poison. Right. It's like they, you know, it's hard to fault someone for writing about what they know. Well, and, and the other thing I think we forget right now, it's much easier to understand the world. Like if you really want to travel the world right now, you know, you can buy a backpack and, you know, get you a GoFundMe and you can, if you're willing to, you know, sleep in, in creepy hostels and eat whatever it is that you can buy on the street, you know, you can take a couple of hundred bucks and you can, you can see large portions of the world yeah. in this well, day and age. not to mention the, the internet. And not to mention the internet. The thing is, I think we forget that a hundred years ago, most people... Never, not just most people never left the city they were born in. Most people couldn't afford to ever leave the city they were born in. Reading about places outside their little world, that was the the closest thing to seeing the world most people ever got. I mean, even Abraham Lincoln never left the daggum country. Right. You know, these are some of the best, you know best educated men of their day the, the traveling the world understanding other cultures that was the prerogative of the rich and successful or otherwise people who took extraordinary risks to travel into places where they had no guarantee of acceptance i think that sometimes we we have such a privilege of living in such an international world where we can learn about places outside of our bubble and that even successful writers, you know, at other periods in history may not have had that privilege. And so sometimes I think that, you know, there's always a lot of talk about checking your privilege. And I think sometimes we as moderns who have access to so much more information than the people who came before us, sometimes right. we forget that we have a privilege to understand the diversity of the world better than people who came before us. I'm sort of concerned, and I've been concerned. This isn't new. This was just someone sort of giving voice to the things that I had been concerned about. Mm -hmm. Someone just distilled all the problematic things that the story group's been saying for years into one helpful little tweet. Yeah. Judgy little tweet. Yep. So uh, real quick, and we'll kind of make this short because uh, we're getting a little long here, but... Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, um, there's been a lot of talk. I've seen a lot of the bigger podcasts uh, sort of talk about this lately. Um, and I, I have a little different 
take on it, I think, than than what I'm generally seeing. But I'm me and David talked about this on the science fictionary in an episode that's going to come out this week. But I kind of wanted to see what you thought about it. And and so basically what's being talked about is and it's being talked about from a number of perspectives, mm-hmm. is how will the sequel trilogy age? And most of that has been in comparison to how did the prequel trilogy age? Mm-hmm. Now, I will start that off by saying if you're having that conversation, because a lot of people are you know, talking about that and not acknowledging that that statement all by itself is an acknowledgement that they're both flawed. Yes. Because the original series was loved from the get and mm-hmm. has just continued to be loved by most people. Right. Um, you know, of course you've got your weird fringe people who hate Luke Skywalker and, and that kind of stuff, which I think to say you're a star Wars fan, but you hate Luke Skywalker is kind of weird, but more power to you. Um, what do you think? I mean, how do you kind of, kind of see this, um, trending over the next 10, 20, 30 years. I mean, I think we've kind of touched on it ever since ever since the last Jedi came out and all of the people who were really excited all of a sudden became much less excited. Um I think we talked about it then that eventually this is going to be Star Wars for our kids. This is going to be what they remember, the nostalgia that they remember going to the theater and being excited when they were kids and seeing Star Wars. This is going to be that for them. Yeah. Now, now our kids, I will say this, our kids are young. They love the, the, the sequel trilogy. Our mm-hmm. kids do. Because they're not as concerned with the nuance of the story. They're just excited to watch, you know, lightsabers and spaceships and... You know, and all that stuff, the the all the fun stuff about Star Wars. That's what they see. And of course, yes, this will be their Star Wars. Now, I think only one of our children proclaims any of those three movies as their favorite. Yeah, I think. In fact, I'm not even sure any of them do. I, I think a couple of them like a, one of the prequels, and one of them likes Return of the Jedi. And because why? And these Padme are young kids. And Ewoks. So I, I'm not sure that the well this because that's that's where a lot of people go. Well, this will be this generation Star Wars. This will be the one they will remember. And it will be the one that they have nostalgia for it being the one they experienced in the theater. But I do think that even that that experience isn't what it used to be. That's true, but I think that even as an as an adult, I, I can acknowledge that there are some real problems with the prequels. However, like those, you know, I had seen Star Wars before the prequels came out and it was kind of, it was, it was an experience and it was, you know, but all the hype around it when I was young and there's something special to the prequels to me, something special about the prequels to me. because I mean, even though I was, I'm a little bit older than you. I mean, I was seven or I was 18 Mm -hmm. when the first one came out. Um. I guess, actually, I guess it came out on my 19th birthday. Yeah. So, um, so I was 19. But I still had, that was the one, in, in fact, the first one was maybe the most exciting because it was the one that, it was the, the last, it was the first and last time in my life that I experienced the going weeks before mm-hmm. the movie and lining up for tickets. Right. And, you know, spent most of a day Mm-hmm. in a line to get tickets. Yeah. 
Um, and, and we traveled. It was a group, and we took three cars. I mean, you know, full packed full of people mm-hmm. to see that movie. Yep. And so, you know, they all the, the prequels have a, especially the first one, The Phantom Menace, has a real special spot because of the nostalgia, just that 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 mm-hmm. moment, that sort of getting to experience probably the closest Star Wars experience that I got to have to my dad's 1977 experience, mm-hmm. where the crowds were so fired up and people were dressed up and mm-hmm. yelling and screaming when the title screen comes up and, and the music starts to play. And um, you don't get that a whole lot. No, you don't. Anymore. Not, especially not, maybe in... Some places, big cities, but not in in Baton Rouge. Not, I've never been to a movie where where there there was that kind of reaction. You know, like you saw videos of people cheering whenever uh, Cap says Avengers Assemble finally yeah. in Endgame. Like we didn't have any of that happen. Yeah, and it's been a while since I've been in a theater where that did happen. The closest thing I can remember was the collective gasp of horror whenever um, Aragorn lops that orc's head off. Yeah. In uh, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. Well, love, love or hate the moment in The Last Jedi where um, Holdo flo- uh, flies the ship mm-hmm. into the Star Destroyer. Like there's a, like there's a, well, you get that moment of silence where the audio cuts out of the film and you can just hear the gasp in the room. Mm-hmm. Like, so even if you thought the whole Holdo maneuver was really stupid. It which, was a masterful piece of filmmaking. You yeah. you can, you can argue about how you like it as a story point, but it is a, one of the most masterful moments of filmmaking. Well, and as far as just in a long time reaction, just gut yes. reaction from the audience, mm-hmm. like that one, every time I saw that, I saw that movie several times in theater and it got an audible reaction from the whole crowd mm-hmm. every time it happened. And when Han Solo died. Yeah. But still, that's not people cheering and, you know, hooting and hollering. It's, it's, it's not, not the, quite same the same thing as just being this this built up, mm-hmm. you know, the, this whole build up to this one moment where that music starts. Yeah. Um, but so here's my opinion on, on how these will age. I think that it will not age as a trilogy well. I think that The Force Awakens will continue to be more and more loved. Mm-hmm. And for like our kids, that's going to be the one that they're going to love. Yeah. The Rise of Skywalker is is I like it, but it's admittedly like way too much time was spent trying to get Retcon. the story back on track. Way too much time was spent trying to retcon the second movie. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's unfortunate that that happened that way. Now, I still do love it though. The prequels, but see, the thing, the idea is, is that the prequels have aged well, and people who didn't like them twenty years ago now love them. And I don't think that's true. I mean, because I occasionally, still know so many people that just despise those movies. I mean, you'll find occasionally people that have kind of come around. I think Usually, that the generation that were kids now just are the main people on the internet. Yeah. And so it feels like people have now started to love those movies, and I just... It's just because the, the haters but the, have I, less to say now about Star Wars than they did 30 years ago. But there's this idea that those movies were widely hated. 
No. And they weren't. There was just a very a very vocal hating contingent. Right. But the, those movies as a whole, the prequels as a whole, were never despised by the masses. No. Not 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 the kind of reaction that The Last Jedi got. No. And, oh, and so it's that's, a completely different and so, conversation. And so here's here's where it is for me. I have probably, you know, I had problems with The Last Jedi, um, I'm, and I talked about this on the science fiction area. I would be a terrible movie critic. Absolutely terrible movie critic, because I don't watch movies that way. Right. Um, I'm always going to look for the things that I love in a movie. And The Last Jedi has some things I love in it. Uh, you know, Yoda teaching Luke one last lesson mm-hmm. is, you know, uh, it, it's a fantastic Star Wars moment. Mm-hmm. It also has mo- a lot of my worst, my, my least favorite moments in a Star Wars movie. Even worse than Sand. Yeah, actually. Even worse than the fireside chat. But Oh, merciful But heavens. what, for, for me, and if you love The Last Jedi, I'm not, I'm not trying to knock you. I'm just specifically saying, this is me, and I, that movie continues to drop down my list. And it's not even at this point because of the movie itself. It's because I absolutely despise what that movie represents in the fandom. Yep. It has created probably an irreparable rift Mm -hmm. in the fandom. It's created people who go to Disney World wearing a t-shirt that says, The Last Jedi is canon. Right, because you only wear that to start a fight. Right, like why would you even? <laughs> because it's and, and it's it's, it's become like, yes, it's canon. No crap. It's become the what's the word? It's become the focus of of a really nasty divide in the fandom. Right. Well, you know, and, and now unfortunately, every time something Star Wars comes out, that's the first comparison that's made. Is it better than The Last Jedi? Right. Which, of course, leads to huge fights again. Right. And so, I really just flat don't like the movie at this point. Because you're so tired of the dialogue around it. Yeah. Because I think it continues. It was, love it or hate it, you cannot deny that it was incredibly divisive. Absolutely. And you can't you can't just ignore that and go, well, the people that didn't like it are racist or misogynists or it's like stupid. No, it, 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 you don't get to make that argument. They just didn't like it. Right. You don't have to rationalize it. Right. But the fact is a lot of people didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And I tried real hard to like it. Yeah. And like I said, especially man, here was the most disappointing thing was the way it was hyped. All the critics, greatest Star Wars ever, which is why I'll never be excited about anything critics go on about anymore. So I just I don't know how the sequel trilogy looking looking at it as one thing. Mm-hmm. I think of so so what you're comparing it to now uh, on the big screen. You've got Solo, Rogue One the sequel trilogy, and then on the small screen, The Mandalorian. The sequel trilogy will age the worst of those four things. I think so. Which is unfortunate. Solo is going to age very well. Yep. Rogue One is going to age very well. Yep. The Mandalorian, 
depending on how it goes and how they wrap it, could wind up being one of the greatest TV shows ever made. Yeah. Those things are going to be loved by more people for far longer. As long as they don't go all Game of Thrones and dash everyone's and that, hopes and, and dreams that's the in the thing. last There's season. There's always the potential of ruining a good thing. That is scary. Like that, honestly, Game of Thrones, the way that Game of Thrones crashed and burned with the audience during that last season would make me terrified to make you know, though, something like that. TV shows crash and burn in their final seasons all the time. It's just one that big had never done it. Well, and that's the thing. It was, it was the so biggest TV. It was the biggest TV show ever made. It was the. It, it was such a cultural phenomenon. And so was The Walking Dead, and it really like fell apart as well. Yeah, but it's kind of like you know, like Heroes. They talk about like you know, is it going to be like you know, Firefly? Where we're going to be so devastated, or be like Heroes, where it just sort of goes on until you don't care anymore. <laughs> so I mean, what do you, what do you think? Before we wrap up, what do you think as far as how those how the sequel trilogy will age? I think it's going to be, you know, like some people complain about, you know, some of your real old timers don't like Return of the Jedi because Ewoks are stupid. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's going to be, I think there's going to be a contingent that's just never going to like it. And I think it's always going to be a little divisive about people who like it and people don't. Uh, in the same way that in some ways the prequels are still a little divisive because some people just hate it and some people just think it's the greatest thing ever. Um, which is unfortunate because I really, I think everyone really hoped that we were going to get Star Wars that everyone could agree on. And we did whenever The Mandalorian came out. But I think that people really wanted Episode 7, 8, and 9 to be that thing. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, you know, and we've talked about this. I'm not going to go back into it. But it's that moment where Luke shows up in The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. And it's Luke Skywalker. Right. It's it's 100% Return of the Jedi, Luke Skywalker. Mm -hmm. And it's such a big, impactful moment, but it's almost depressing that we had that moment on the small screen instead mm -hmm. of the big one. Yep. And the other unfortunate thing is that was so well-received that it also created people who've now decided they hate the Mandalorian because... All of the people who didn't like The Last Jedi adored that scene. Right. So now well, so, we have so to fight about this. Well, now we've created this side where anytime something is done that's loved by the, the, the bulk of the older fans, then the, the fans who are, you know, on the other side of the aisle say, oh, they only did that to, you know... Appease the fanboys. Yeah. In, in a lot of ways, though, it's kind of emblematic of the way that everything is sort of going down in the it, past five years. It's just the culture. It's, it's the culture has become more and more divisive, and I just feel like it just bled over into Star Wars. And we really would like to keep our inner, that ha from happening in our entertainment, but it's just really it's, – it's become a thing. Yeah. So. All right. Well, uh, you know, as, as we kind of wrap up here and you know, talk about a few things a little lighter here, we've got the uh, Boba Fett series coming out at the end of December. I think the yes. final week of December, maybe. Yep. Um, so the that's the book of Boba Fett, and I'm uh, really looking forward to that one. They're really the the director is really hyping that one up. Um, we're we're hearing good things. Um, Andor has wrapped filming. 
I believe the Obi-Wan series has wrapped filming. The Obi-Wan series, man. Like, I was so excited about it, but just... The more talk there is of behind-the-scenes drama, the more worried I get. I mean, there was a ton of behind-the-scenes drama with Rogue One, though. And it turned out to be phenomenal. So maybe it's just going to be as great as I always hoped it was going to be. But I'm, I'm a little more apprehensive about it now than I was. Well, it's all, it was always the most risky. Yeah. In revisiting a character like Obi-Wan. In some ways, it's kind of like, okay, you really disappointed everyone with what you did when you brought back Luke Skywalker. Please don't do the same thing to Obi-Wan. Yeah. So, you know, I, that one that one's going to be interesting. Um, they just started filming, I think, last week on season three of The Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, lots Maybe of good stuff. Move to London. I'm Work not on costumes there. I'm not hearing anything about the other series that was supposed to be made. The uh, the, Acolyte? the Acolyte. Yeah. And and kind of the way things are over at, at Lucasfilm, I just I never I never assume that something's going to get made just because they announce it. I it pretty much until cameras start rolling, it's still up in the air. Yeah. Which is a really terrible way to run a studio, but it's the way it's been run. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a, um, we, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Um, we got a book I'm excited about. I can't remember who's doing it, but someone is retelling, I think, I don't know if it's the, the first six movies or, or if it's the original trilogy or what is, but it's doing a retelling of Star Wars in Homeric poem. That's awesome. Um, That's going to be very fun. Which will be one. I, I don't know how many people will read that. I don't know how many people. All the same people who, who bought all nine um, editions of Shakespeare. Shakespeare Star Wars. It's true, but reading in meter is even different than reading something in. But it's the same kind of readers. Yeah. So that one's going to be interesting. I'm really, I mean, as a fan of, you know, the Odyssey, the Iliad, Beowulf, yeah. I don't mind reading epic poems. Ooh, speaking of characters that would not age well if we tried to subject them to modern sensibilities. None of those. None of them. <laughs> Odysseus running around sleeping with all the goddesses in the between Troy and Greece while his wife's sitting there weaving, waiting for him to come home. Like, that's not a good look, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, we got some stuff we're looking forward to. We've got more stuff coming up to talk about. And and this is, of course, y'all, you know, if you, if you're a normal listener, if you're a regular listener, you know, this isn't our, our normal, uh, kind of talking mode. It's, I've been waiting a while to talk about these things. So I just wanted to go ahead and get them out of the way. Um, what do you think? Do you think that Canon is important or not? Do you is think Canon the- fluid? Just fluid, like, is it sort of can be one thing today and another thing tomorrow? But yeah, that, that's going to do it for this episode. If, if you have opinions on this, we want to hear them. We want to know what you thought about the episode. We want to hear what you think about Star Wars canon and the future of it. We want to know how you think the, the sequel trilogy will continue to age over the next couple of decades. Um and we just want to hear from you on, on things that you would like to hear us discuss here on Coruscant Radio Underground. But until next time, Marisha, where can people find you? 
You can find me on Instagram at princesses underscore and underscore Padawans, and I'm P Padawans on Twitter. Awesome. And you can find me running the Twitter account for this show at crew underscore podcast. That's C-R-U underscore podcast. You can drop us a line at Coruscant Radio Underground at gmail.com. You can check out our website at thesciencefictionary.com and be sure to check out our other podcast, dropping two episodes a week again, uh, the Science Fictionary Podcast, where we talk about all things science fiction, fantasy, and adventure. And as always, be sure to check out our podcast, as well as the rest of the Red 5 podcast family at red5network.com and at red5network on Twitter. And until next time, may the Force be with you.